Good day, ladies and gentlemen. You're listening to a couple of annoyed grunt boys, and this is the 138th Simpsons Podcast. That's right. It's the Simpsons Podcast <laughs> that discusses Simpsons seasons 11 and beyond. Well, why 11 and beyond, you ask? Well, we feel that there's plenty of other podcasts out there that you can listen to that cover the Golden Age, seasons 1 through 10. And they're probably uh, far more crummy than this one. But we like to go into the future or modern day age of the Simpsons from 11 and beyond to see if there's any gems out there that can rival that classic Golden Age Simpsons. I am half an annoyed grunt boy, Craig, and with me on this journey is... Your other half annoyed grunt boy, Steve. Craig, how's it going? It's going great. I'm still doing my quarantine movie marathoning. How about you? Excellent. Yeah, I'm doing good. Uh, We've just kind of been hanging out and watching stuff. What have you been watching? So I did the Nolan Batman movies, and uh, I think I mentioned them. Maybe did, did I mention them last week? I, I probably didn't, but did those. Then I was like, okay. And then they had like the news that came out that Michael Keaton is in talks to be in the Flash movie mm-hmm. with Ezra Miller. So like they're going to bring Michael Keaton Batman back. And I was like, I'm going to go back and watch the Burton Schumacher films. And it's weird too because a, a week ago Schumacher passed away. So I watched, you know, I watched Batman and the Batman Returns and Forever than Batman and Robin. Yeah, I actually went there to Batman and Robin. <laughs> and so I have this like weird theory of the the 90s Batman movies and why they got progressively more cheesy. Mm-hmm. So if you watch the first Batman movie, the Tim Burton with the Nicholson as the Joker and Keaton as, as Batman, look at like the uh, palette of that film. And it's very drab. Like Gotham is gross and dirty and just brown. There's just so mm-hmm. much like brown in that movie. Then you get Batman, who's just all black, and then the opposite of, or not the opposite, because it'd be white, but you get the Joker, who's very colorful and flamboyant, right? So you have mm-hmm. this like Gotham City that's very just boring, and all of a sudden, just think of this as like it happened in the real world. All of a sudden, these two flamboyant characters, Batman and Joker, appear. Then they have a showdown and like Gotham's like all of a sudden liberated, right? Right. Then you get to Batman Returns and things are a little bit more colorful. There's more theatricality in the Gothamites. You know, you get a Catwoman, you got the Penguin, even the uh, Christopher Walken, who plays a Donald Trump-esque character, by the way, who has a a son that's very much like Don Jr. Really weird. And is also (laughs) a villain who's murdered people uh, (laughs) in our political podcast. And then you get to the Schumacher films, and then all of a sudden, Batman Forever, you start getting these weird neon gangs, you know, with like face paint, and like Gotham becomes more colorful. And then once you get to Batman and Robin, holy shit, everything's just like a giant comic book and Schumacher even said like he just wanted to make a comic book come to life here's my theory of like what happened is Gotham was boring as fuck (laughs) then all of a sudden when Batman and Joker appeared then that kind of like liberated all the Gothamites they're like wait a minute they're coming out I want to come out so like there's that neon gangs right Mm -hmm. and so it's like if they could be who they want to be why can't I be who I want to be so I feel like these 90s Batman movies are really just a nice coming out uh, help you uh the lgbtq like it's it's like a it's a pro lgbtq type movie like it's it's all about coming out to be yourself huh that's, that's a really my new take on these films 
<laughs> that's a really beautiful way to look at it. I I really like that. Besides like the crappy dialogue and like Batman and Robin and like the cheesiness, that's how I see it as like, okay, there's just, it's a freedom of uh, expression. And that's I always brilliant. felt too that the Batman movies, like they, they should have been the James Bond franchise for like American audiences. Because if you look at it, like Michael Keaton is like the Sean Connery and then mm-hmm. Val Kilmer just did a one-off and he's the, the George Lazenby. And you get to the really goofy ones and George Clooney should have had more because he should have been the Roger Moore of Batmans. Yeah, I think that it would have been fun to explore what else he did with Batman, like in a sequel, and you know, to watch his Batman evolve. After watching Batman and Robin, like he's actually the worst. He's he's playing George Clooney because even when like Val Kilmer and Michael Keaton has the cowl on, they do like a Batman voice. Yeah. Not as bad as like Christian Bale. But when George Clooney has the cowl on, he's just like, I'm Batman, Mr. Freeze. I'm Bruce <laughs> Wayne, Mr. Freeze. Like yeah. he doesn't change his in- intonation at all. So if they can't get Michael Keaton to reprise himself himself as Bruce Wayne Batman in the uh, Flash movie. I say go balls out. Fucking Warner Brothers hire George Clooney to play Batman again as an old Ooh, Batman. I he love could, uh, it. Especially now he could be a great grizzled old Batman. Yeah, we could really use like actually this is the perfect time for a Batman Beyond. Right, right. So uh, that was my my hot uh, stoner moment watching the Batman 90s Batman movies that uh, th- these movies are all about uh, coming out. I think that's uh, really nice. And uh, you know, speaking of coming out, Steve, I do have some uh, sorry, Laura. I do have some tangential Simpsons news. So in the early 2000s, there is a show called Mission Hill, created by Bill Oakley and Josh Weinstein. Heard of them. It's one of my favorite shows of all time. I think it captures being in your late teens, early 20s, in the 90s to the 2000s, in such a perfect manner, especially if you're want to be a cool hipster guy, or if you're a dork. It captures both sides. And... Uh, Right. Uh, so that's the great theme song recorded by Cake. And but Bill Oakley and Weinstein are sh- they're shopping around their a spinoff to the show that takes place six months after the last episode, which was only about thirteen episodes anyway, of a Mission Hill called Gus and Wally, which examines the neighbors of the twin brothers. And it was like one of the first openly gay couples that it wasn't a big deal. They just two guys who lived together who happened to be married, and they just loved each other a lot. And so I'm really excited for the possibility of this. And so if they're able to sell this to somewhere, maybe anywhere really i'm excited for it so check out if you haven't and wait for more news about that yeah it's on uh youtube you can watch all the episodes on youtube for free or you can get the dvds on amazon for like uh like 16 bucks i just looked that up and the quality on youtube's just fine but yeah it was a show that no one watched originally but it found fandom on uh adult swim I believe that it was canceled after two episodes mm. on the wwb and then it was reran on uh adult swim which is kind of like the thing that they 
did at the time is Adult Swim would pick up canceled shows that were animated and they would find a new following. And so, yeah, it's just a great show. Anything Bill Oakley and Weinstein do. Oh, yeah. We're, we're huge Weinstein and Oakley guys. I stand in Oakley. Well, speaking of standing in Oakley, that doesn't <laughs> make sense at all. Steve, let's get in the mindset of the year that this episode of The Simpsons we're going to review. That year, of course, was 2008. Oh. And that month was March. And that day was 30. So March 30th, 2008. Excellent. So, Craig, what was the uh, number one movie? It was the uh, Kevin Spacey movie <laughs> 21, which is uh, the age that's too old for Kevin Spacey. <laughs> Uh, he's a monster. Yeah. We talked about it in our 67th episode, Sky Police, and we did a whole crap rant on about that. So it's the card counting movie. That's right. No crap there. What was the number one song of that week? Well, the number one song on the Billboard Hot 100 was Love in This Club by Usher featuring Young Jeezy. Sure sounds like an Usher song to me, but not a valet song. <laughs> All right, Steve, what was this episode about? Lisa persuades Marge to pursue her childhood dream of becoming a ballerina by auditioning for a ballet academy. Meanwhile, Homer shows Bart his secret room where he manufactures beef jerky. All right, sounds great, Steve. Hey, let's take a break, and I'd like to show you my secret room where I manufacture my beef jerky. Ooh, can't wait to get inside your jerkatorium. We'll be right back. And we're back. Today we're talking about Smoke on the Daughter, the 15th episode of the 19th season. It originally aired on March 30th, 2008. It is episode 415 in the show's run. Your nerd code is K-A-B-F-O-8. It was written by Billy Kimball and directed by Lance Kramer. Hey, Billy Kimball. Does that name sound familiar, Steve? It sure does. He, uh, why? Why? Well, he's a writer, Steve. Oh. Another one of those Harvard guys. You know, worked on some SNL, uh, late show with Craig Kilborn. Yeah. And a producer from like the Al Franken show. Of, you know, that was the, the Air America radio show. Remember that? I do remember that. I saw it live one time. Wow. So, uh, yeah, he usually writes episodes of The Simpsons with uh, Ian Maxtone Graham. Classic. And this is the only episode, Smoke on the Daughter, where he just has a, a, a solo credit, too, by the Interesting. way. Interesting. Yeah. But, uh, Steve, do you, do you know what? We've actually done an episode of Heroes. Do, do you know what episode that was? I don't, Craig. Can you Can you tell me? That's right, Steve. It was the Scorpion's Tale. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so there's Billy Campbell for you. Now, don't forget that was co-written with uh, Ian Maxtone Grant. So you guys don't know what we're talking about, and this is the first time. Uh, God, I don't know what episode it was, but the Scorpion's Tale. It was uh, one of our least favorites, um, and it was fairly early on in the uh, the show. In our show's run. Yeah. It was. Let's see. I am looking it up right now, and it is episode. 29 of our show. That episode had Werner Herzog in there, and that was before Mandalorian, so we're going to make any Mandalorian jokes, Steve. 
That's true. Yeah, it was all the <laughs> way back from August of last year. The Mandalorian was, I think, premiering just a few months after that. Yeah. I think we should go back and uh, watch Scorpion's Tale so we could make uh, <laughs> Werner Herzog Mandalorian jokes. Yeah, maybe we should wait until the second season of Mandalorian comes out, though. So Okay. But yeah, that's a good idea. That's a horrible idea, Steve. Yeah, it really is. Uh, okay. What we should do is re-review File N for Nerder, or Dial N for Nerder, which is the first episode that we ever did, which is one before this episode that we're talking about today. Yeah, maybe. Or we can just talk about this episode for a little while. Sure. How's the uh, couch gag, Steve? Well, Wiley Coyote paints a sofa on the wall, and the family runs into it. Maggie makes a roadrunner noise and runs off. The Simpson family sits down like normal, but Homer falls through the wall. It's surprising that it took this long for a Wiley Coyote joke for a couch gag, right? Yeah, it's pretty... I mean, season 15, or 19. Wow, yeah, that is pretty late in the game, but uh, I think it's a pretty classic gag. Like, I'm yeah. surprised it wasn't sooner. Maybe they were just too afraid in the early days of uh, the Warner Brothers coming down and uh, slapping around for uh, parodying their... Yeah, Acme coyote. has deep pockets and they can afford good lawyers. <laughs> they didn't want uh, Yakko, Wacko, and Dot. <laughs> they're the Warner Brothers, Steve. That's right, and their sister. Hey, so uh, how about our episode proper begins with our good old 10-year-old boy that we love in his bedroom. Wait, that's right, Bart. Yeah, Bart. He's sleeping and then all of a sudden is interrupted by this large serpentine creature, Steve. Uh, he attacks that snake beast with a nearby baseball bat. I hope he got it. That's right. Homer reveals that it's actually him dressed as Lord Evelton from the Harry Potter-esque Angelica Buttons book series. After a few more hits from uh, Bart's bat, Lisa pops in, dressed as the magical lit- literary character, to explain that the last book in the series comes out at midnight and they're going to wait in line in the bookstore. I like the uh, when Homer takes off the, the mask and he's like, uh, it's me. And Bart just like keeps, like I knew it was coming, but just Bart keeps <laughs> beating his old father over the head with the baseball bat. Also, Bart keeps, sleeps with a baseball bat. Yeah, which is scary and practical. What do you think he does with that baseball bat? What are you suggesting? Maybe he's uh, hollowed it out. Oh, okay. That's a lot more work than I was imagining. I mean, what I was imagining is also a lot of work, <laughs> <Yeah>. but <laughs> really more about I flexibility. <laughs> I was going for the uh, more... Uh, him inserting something rather than it inserting him. Right, right. <laughs> well, Homer invites his son along, saying that all the nerds are doing it, but Bart offers that he's not a nerd, he's just a jock who's too cool for sports. It's like, I'm a nerd who's not very smart. <laughs> At chain store Bucacinos, dozens of Springfieldians are lined up for the release of a new tome, including... Ned Flanders and his boys. Terry O'Terry, dressed as a two-headed witch. Database, dressed in gold. Millhouse, assuming Spider-Man will make a cameo. Skinner as a Minotaur avoiding the spoilers. Bart donning a sparkly magic isn't real t-shirt, which I gotta say is a pretty awesome t-shirt. And a comic book guy dressed as a hagger type insulting Lisa's cosplay. Nice Angelica button costume, Lisa. Although, the griffin on your coat of arms is facing left, not right. And FYI, Angelica wears two tortoiseshell barrettes. Nice try, though. I base my costume on the books, not the movies. <laughs> <laughs> How do you like uh, comic book guy getting shamed? I, I love it. It's pretty good. I like him hopping away. In that last clip here of everyone laughing, I'm going to play it real quick. <laughs> 
So you hear Homer laughing. I really wish they would have, because they've done it in episodes where people are laughing and you just hear like, Homer, like, oh, what a jerk. Like, I was mm-hmm. just hoping for like a little, like, oh, what, a, what a jerk. <laughs> I would have liked that, yeah. Homer doesn't know anything. No. We've brought this up before that you and I went to a midnight book release for one of the Harry Potters. I want to say it was it was either uh, Goblet of Fire or Order of the Phoenix. Yeah, I want to say Order of the Phoenix, but I could be wrong. I still think was it was a- Goblet because I, I say Goblet of Fire is like my favorite book and that's because that's like, Maybe that was part of it. I don't know. It could be. Yeah. Um, I just remember it was a fun time. Like, it was cool to be, and I'm sure that, you know, nerds who go to, or people who go to conventions feel this too, but just to be a part of something that is kind of bigger than yourself and everyone's there for the same reason, just sharing something that they enjoy. It's fun. As a comic book guy hops away on his broom, defeated with everyone laughing at him, the uh, bookstore employee opens the doors with a colored lace bracelet to create order for the book release. But uh, as Homer shouts, move or die, the crowd rushes into the store. Martin Prince, dressed up like a goblin, races off with his copy, only to be stopped by his bully, but uh, I'm going to predict uh, future husband, Nelson Muntz, who demands (laughs) that the nerd reads to him uh, in character voices, and the boy listens with rapt attention. Yeah, I like it when he sits down and his feet are kind of kicking. You know, like when you're lying in your stomach and your feet just kind of kick up? Yeah. I thought that was a fun little nice touch in the animation. And I think because we've seen instances of those two interacting, and I feel like if they do do a future episode, I'd actually like to see those two as a couple. But don't point it out yeah. in the episode. Like, don't me- just be like, that's normal. And it is because it's normal. Like, I just feel like, you yeah, know. Yeah, and I think be- that they would just be a nice balance for one another. I think the joke would be that they're a couple, but now uh, Martin kind of bullies him as like, you forgot to pick up the groceries last week and it was like yes dear like nelson would say that right and nelson needs the stability in his life because you know his home life wasn't so great so he really is grateful for for martin for being there for him so yeah i could definitely see that hey we should make a uh, gay pride t-shirt with nelson and martin <laughs> i like it yeah <laughs> Has nothing to do with an episode, but no, but it's it's fun here on the podcast. Uh, we're making this canon. Nelson and Martin will be official couples. Stamp That's right, chunk chunk. Right. <laughs> so on the way home, uh, Lisa peruses the uh, Angelica button and the deadly denouement. Angelica's first kiss, da da da. Subplot about her cat. Who cares? Professor Skizzle Twitch is a werebear, and a, a, no, no, he's not. Malawish's crub is actually Crowlewish's mub. <gasps> All is lost. Angelica uses a spell she learned in chapter six. Magic, magic, magic. All is one. Yay! And with that, the family throws out their copies of the novel, done with their book for the year. They have certainly earned some TV time, at least until 3 a.m. But I don't understand. How could he have murdered his wife if he was making a phone call 3,000 miles away? Well, maybe he reached out and killed someone. Oh, I saw this. He trained his dog to do it. <laughs> Up next, which former friend star is speaking out against adult illiteracy? Ooh. It's Lisa Kudrow. Stop oh. <laughs> saying things, Bart. That's the TV's job. And the First Lady has agreed to sit on the egg until it hatches. More after this. See that? That's talent. You think you got it? You don't. Because only I can teach it, and I ain't taught you, so you don't. The Jazz Busby Ballet Academy is coming to Springfield. Auditions are Monday, callbacks are Tuesday, Wednesday you see I'm a heartless bastard, Thursday you realize you love me, damn it, Friday we're closed. You're fired. You're her. Jump, dance, love. 
Hey, I don't know how far back the uh, meme of the uh, CSI meme. Mm-hmm. This is 2008. Did uh, The Simpsons start this? I think very possibly. I mean, when did CSI premiere? Uh, CSI Miami, like, uh, I don't know, 2002. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. So, you went through that very quickly and you were correct. Wow. The OG one that yeah. has Lawrence Fishburne and Ted Danson um, was around for 15 years. It's also been off the air for five years, which I, I was going to say, that's the original. Yeah. The original CSI is gone, but they still have what? CSI Mars, maybe? Well, there was CSI OG from 2000-2015, then Miami, which is that one is spoofing, from 2012, or 2002 to 2012. Then there was uh, CSI New York uh, with Gary Sinise from 2004 to 2013. And then uh, Patricia Arquette and James Vanderbeek starred in CSI Cyber, Cyber from 2015 to 2016. And then there was CSI Immortality, which also <laughs> featured Ted Danson that was on for... Oh, it was a movie. Oh, was it them investigating like vampires or something? I want to say yes. It's probably not true, but I want to say yes. That'd be the best. I feel like that's like probably coming back on CBS All Access or something, you know. Yeah. I mean, that's a pretty big show for them. Yeah, I remember because wasn't Miami was the most popular. People love their David Caruso. I don't get it. He's got red hair and he's a sexy man. Didn't you ever see? uh... The only red hair sexy man I want on TV is Conan O'Brien. Ah, yes creator of the podcast that's right we bow to him for creating this this i was gonna say this content well he's part of this content it's true thank you daddy coco <laughs> that was uh that was creepy um what thank you daddy coco that hurts <laughs> it's scary okay um that commercial excites marge who takes lisa to show her daughter her shattered dream box part of her uh, disappointment closet there we see all the things marge never got a chance to do such as a she's open a box and there's a stethoscope so she picks it up oh she wanted to be a doctor pulls out another stethoscope oh she wanted to be a safe cracker and then another stethoscope because she wanted to be a stethoscope sales lady i unabashedly love that joke so much <laughs> It is just a classic Tom Simpson joke. It's the fact that she has three different pairs of stethoscopes yeah. for three different stethoscope-related dreams. Uh, dreams. Uh, it, well, you know, careers. Oh, I thought, yeah, I thought you meant to say jobs, but for some reason you said dreams. No, her dreams dream of jobs. being, yeah, dream jobs. Right. Dream jobs. Just, um, just like the uh, dream job that uh, Dan Aykroyd gets in Ghostbusters in the montage scene. That's right. <laughs> that's right. So anyways, none of those things happened to Marge. But the one thing she always wanted to be ever since she was a little girl was what, Steve? A ballerina. But why isn't she a ballerina? Because her boobs came in and ruined her chances by arriving one at a time. Luckily for Lisa, though, she inherited her father's breasts. So they'll come in <laughs> love- full and... <laughs> yeah, I like how she's like, oh. <laughs> like disappointed, but, uh, you know, Homer's got... He's got a good rack. <laughs> We've seen him push them together. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't kick him out of bed for eating Cheetos. <laughs> as long as he shares. That's right. Lisa takes a photo of Marge in a tutu and tells her mother that it's not too late to unshatter her dream. Why, Martha Graham danced well into her 70s. You mean she danced well into her 70s or she danced well into her 70s? Well, she danced in her, into her 70s. Well, I Lisa... I enjoyed that joke a lot. That was good, yeah. So uh, Lisa inspired her mother and Marge is going to be... Uh, Become a dancer, Steve, but the boring kind, not the go-go kind. Aw. Uh, we then go to the Chaz Busby Ballet Academy with a sign that reads, No Fat Chicks, which is located next to an opera academy, which has a sign that says, No Thin Chicks. Inside, the dance instructor teaches movement. I'm offended by that visual gag joke, Steve. Me too. It's it's a little outdated. Even then. I know. It should be women and not chicks. Yeah, no fat women. Yeah. Okay, ladies, listen up. Forget everything you ever learned about ballet. Good. 
Now for Bolshoi fifth position, give me a Batman Glacé, a double changement, two Swan Lake Fortes, then finish with a Grand Pas de Shah. Oi, oi, oi. And show me what you got, uh, Simpson, comma, Marge. <laughs> I haven't seen dancing like that since my Broadway show, Dancing Like That. Closed in a week. Too smart for the corn dog crowd, too dumb for the bagel bunch. You keep it up, kid. You got something. So when the Simpsons ladies get on their ballet, we need to have a B-plot, Steve. That's right. So uh, Homer and his son, they go downstairs into the basement. And uh, Homer wants to let his son Bart on a deep, dark family secret. Homer's drinking problem? No, I said secret, Steve. Homer shows Bart the secret area-locked room, which has never appeared in the house before until now. So uh, Bart's like, uh, here's my secret room. And what does he say? When he goes in there to gay out come on bart we don't use that yeah. term it's 2008 that was 2008 <laughs> but uh instead he makes the queen of jerkies beef jerk steve that's right homer lets bart in on the operation and the little hellraiser enjoys marinating meat with his dad homer lovingly smears some cow blood on his child's face and then we go back to the dance studio i gotta say that that giant slab of meat you know the rocky size one where rocky punches it uh-huh. that's just not cheap like homer making this beef jerk that's not a cheap thing but thinking about it though you save a lot of money in the long run when you're making your own jerky this is true jerky is so expensive it really is and you know if you sold it you can make some really good money he's been doing this for years and has yet to sell it well we get we'll get to that b plot yeah or with a poo later so marge is as supple as ever but as she tries to extend her leg she finds that it's like crystalia's penis at a playground it won't go down Marge falls to the ground, and because she can neither do nor teach, she is sent home. And uh, I might show my cards real quick, but I really like when uh, Chaz Busby says, uh, how can they teach if they can't do? <laughs> it's just so, yeah. I love that. Um, anyway, so Lisa defends her crying mother, and the dance teacher makes a discovery. You can't talk to my mom like that. Who the hell taught you to stand like that? This is how I always stand when I tell adults what they should be doing. You have naturally perfect posture. I rarely say this, but how would you like to become a paying student of my dance academy? Uh, I don't know. I We accept! I know this is a podcast. We can't see it, but if you guys can recall using your, your brain, when mm-hmm. uh, when he's like, why are you standing like that? And like the perfect like flow of the, she's got the plie and mm-hmm. that, was a, that was a fun little bit of animation. Yeah. I think that like the, I don't want to say choreography not, of this not, episode, but. Not plie. That's uh, position one, right? Or is that, that's position three that she was in. I think so. It I like happened a... to, we both took uh, dance and ballet. Yeah. I love the art of movement <laughs> because I'm so good at it. The art of bowel movements. Yes. That's why it's called ballet wait are you thinking of a little bear in a car driving around (laughs) exactly yeah (laughs) so yeah you were saying about the choreography of this episode uh just in general um like i mentioned it earlier but like ralph or sorry uh nelson kicking up his uh legs and this there's a lot of like little nice touches of movement that are really well done in this episode so good on the animators for that good job south korean animators we respect you as Lisa begins her dance class with girls her own age, she stumbles and knocks several ballerinas over, confused over the move. Chaz Busby explains that you don't get to be confused until you've won six Tonys, gone to rehab, married your plastic surgeon, retired, unretired, and created a show called Woman of the Year. And uh, I think he lost his train of thought, and so did I. So the young women step outside for a break. And Lisa then learns from a fellow dancer how to keep focus. 
This is so hard. Get used to it. We ballerinas are under constant pressure to stay focused, skinny, graceful, and skinny. How do you cope with it? You find out what works for you. For some people, it might be yoga. For others, meditation. Ooh. But for every ballerina in the world, it's cigarettes. Cigarettes? They can kill you! They did a whole episode about it on The Sweet Life of Zack and Cody. Zack tried to impress a girl by smoking, but she went for Cody instead. <laughs> Zack's life wasn't so sweet then. Hey, if God didn't want ballerinas to smoke, how come I can do this? I think it's kind of interesting it took a couple seasons, 19, for a smoking episode with the kids being... Yeah. And you feel like this is going to become a preachy episode of anti-smoking and it... Well, I guess we could get into that later, but uh, I mean, the only thing I can remember from smoking is when Bart was working with the mob and had to store all the Laramie cigarettes. Yeah. Hey, kid, you look good with a cigarette. Sophisticated like. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know. What do you think of this turn of uh, smoking um, on The Simpsons? I like it because they could have easily turned... I mean, I guess it's not really the Simpsons style, but they could have turned it into a very special episode. Because you think that's ha- happening. You get that kind of like twist at the end. Well, I guess we'll get to that twist. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But a good reference of uh, Sweet Life of Zack and Cody. I know. I was just going to say, so if they... What well, I'm saying that took till 2008 to do this what if they had done this in like the early runs like what if they said something like i watched an episode of saved by the bell or yeah steve urkel of... was smoking <laughs> and then uh they cut to uh, did i do that mm-hmm. wait that's a family guy thing to cut to things right anyways so then that uh dancer opens a pack of cigarettes with one foot and uses the toe from her other foot to light a match and ignite hers mm, cigarettes uh lisa is initially impressed but then disgusted all she needs to focus is fresh air she then inhales deeply, breathing in that sweet secondhand smoke. Horrible, horrible, horrible. No longer describes Lisa's dancing. She's gotten good since earlier that morning, but how? Perhaps it was all that focus and pep from the dancer? Or should it say cancer stick? <laughs> the dancer shoves some of the uh, cigarettes in her ears to shut Lisa up. I can't dear do. Meanwhile, at 742 Evergreen Terrace, Homer has invited a poo over to show off his meaty offerings. The uh, Hindu convenience store owner is skeptically curious. Bart offers a poo into their jerkatorium, only discovered that all the dried meat is gone. They have made a very powerless enemy with a poo. Bart and Homer try to entice the small businessman with a PowerPoint presentation, which is just an acrostic of the word jerky. And it goes a little something like this. J. J. Just the product, so the product you, need. you need. E. Excellent, Excellent value. R. R. Retailer's, Retailer's Dream. Okay, you can skip the K and Y, Steve. <laughs> yep, because much at, much like Jeff Ross at a playground, uh, Pooh decides to skip the KY and leaves. He does not thank you, and you will not come again. <laughs> well, Jeff Ross might. It's not a weird time to be a comedian, but... Uh... <laughs> yeah, you're right. We're not part of this because we're not comedians. That's right. <laughs> we're not funny. No, that's true. And, uh, oh, the K actually was uh, kiss your cash flow problems goodbye, and Steve, what was the Y? Your business will prosper. All right. The boys go looking for clues to find the meat-stealing culprit. Bart finds something chewed through the cellar door at the uh, the floor is covering a paw prints. So uh guess that means one thing, right? That's right, yeah. Flanders, you ate my jerky! As the oak said to the beagle, you're barking up the wrong tree. I spent the whole morning blacking out the goshes and darns in these Hardy Boys books. I know you ate my jerky, just like I ate your earthquake supplies. Dad, look! Raccoons! You stay right here. Oakley Doakley. Oh, heck darn, I don't think so. 
if you're a fan of the Hardy book series, Hardy Boys book series, that uh, book that he was editing was The Mystery of the Odd-Shaped Rock. So. You know what that was about, right? It was about a crack rock. <laughs> That's right. Because they were like, what is this? And then they got high off of it. Like, oh. Really good book, man. Yeah, I like that scene with Nancy Drew. So filthy. Steve, I got to say that those raccoons, mm-hmm. pretty damn adorable. Oh, yeah. I am a big raccoon uh, enthusiast. I'm, sounds weird. Yeah, no, I agree. Like, I love the, uh, the term... You know, people say trash pandas. Yeah, I'm all for that. I think they're adorable. Oh, yeah. I, I, I think they're so cute. And, you know, we've had some in our yard before. They're fun to watch. And I actually looked it up. We're not in the Pacific Northwest here. It's illegal to have a pet raccoon, Steve. Well, it's not, our, it's not my pet. He just happens to live with us. <laughs> So as night falls, Lisa is awoken by some smoky older version of herself telling her it's time for a cigarette. And despite cigarettes being th- where the flavor lives and the cool choice for a hot night, they're for losers. That's right. Losers like French feminist, existentialist, and intellectual Simone de Beauvoir. We have uh, American cultural anthropologist Margaret Mead. British queen, Queen Elizabeth I. And her raspy voice, Lauren Bacall. And don't forget playwright, communist sympathizer, and mayonnaise inventor. Lillian Hellman, or as she's known on the West Coast, Lillian Best Foods. Yeah, Hellman's Best Foods. That's the best mayonnaise, right? I think so, yeah. I don't know. I've had the Kraft, and I've had um, the Heinz, and they all taste fine to me. There's a Japanese one called Kewpie that some food enthusiasts locally really seem to enjoy that I've not tried, but I'd be willing to give it a go. Yeah, okay. Well, Where does that... the mayonnaise fall for you in condiment ranking? I use it a lot. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying like a lot, like I don't put it on you know my forehead. Have you done the grilled cheese with using mayonnaise instead of butter. It's the only way to go. Okay. And um, I make, you know, a lot of like, you know, sauces for like burgers or sandwiches. You know, mayonnaise is always the the base to things. Um, like fry sauce, you know. Uh, oh, yeah. Like my burger sauce is just basic. It's mostly mayonnaise with a little bit of mustard and some dill relish. And I call that my burger sauce. Yeah, I do the same thing. Although I do add a little bit of ketchup. But mustard and mayonnaise are like the stars of the show. Mustard and mayonnaise is such a great combo. Oh, yeah. I'm going to eat it right now. Yum. See, there's a lot of this in this episode that when we pitched or pitched, when we were figuring out this was going to come up, I had so many misconceptions because remember we talked about like we thought she was hanging out with like the uh, kids. Like the older girls? Yeah, that were her size, but this wasn't it. And I thought this was also the episode that had uh, um, Lucille Ball in the... Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> in the smoking dream scene. Uh-huh. I know which one you're talking about. It's the one where they go to Hawaii. Yeah. But yeah. Oh, and yeah, because we already watched that episode. <laughs> there was another episode that I thought that this might be too. I don't remember what it was, but yeah, it's funny. Uh, anyway, so uh, we get her uh, smoking Jedis there, and um, Lisa falls back to slumber with the feminist icons chanting, Puff with us. While outside her window, Bart and Homer set up bait for their little raccoon foes, and Homer has laced jerky with sleeping pills. But as he's, you know, to do because he's Homer, he takes a bite of that beef jerky and realizes that uh, he's tainted that treat. Homer gets a little sleepier and gets a little fuzzier. Homer admits that he anticipated this happening, so he brought the best weapon to operate while drugged. That's a crossbow, Steve. That's right. Homer, woozy from the drugs, aims the weapon first at Rod, then at Todd, and then at a gas truck that's driving by. And then there's a passing archery target truck. <laughs> and Homer lets loose an arrow, and the driver of the target truck crashes into a tree, and in classic Simpsons fashion, bursts into flame, which uh, it's, it's, it's great. That is a classic Simpsons gag. 
The next day, Marge is driving Lisa to a dance practice, and we see that she has two new bumper stickers that read, Ask Me About My Daughter's Talent and Dancer's Mom, Do It in the Wings. Marge uh, also decked out in a ballet mom shirt and sporting a little tutu coffee mug. She's proud of her daughter's progress and will someday be watching her little Marge dancing at Lincoln Center. That's right, little Lisa, the dancing Marge girl. (laughs) I like that dancing Marge. Back at the house, Homer is wielding two different knives to fight his enemy foes that are animals. Bart reminds his father of the time he lost a war with worms, which caused Homer to build a statue honoring the worm, which uh, as the statue shows, are better than Homer. It's tough. When you cut them off, they multiply. This is a little bit of a weird uh, cartoony thing, right? I do like Homer with the two different, like the butcher's knife and... Yeah. (laughs) And also the worm thing. Like, I thought uh, maybe he was... uh... Maybe he was on Dune. Oh. With the sandworms. That's right. Or Beetlejuice. Oh, yeah. Or How to Eat Fried Worms. Yeah, I remember that book. I did a book report like from second grade to about eh, fourth grade. Just that book. Sounds about right. I think I may have done the same thing. (laughs) Every year. (laughs) It was that or like Tales of a Fourth Grade Nothing or Super Fudge or... Remember those Judy Bloom books? (laughs) Yeah. This is my book report on Jurassic Park. When Sam Neill gets to the island and he talks to Jeff Goldblum, the fly, and the water splashes, it's really cool. The end. (laughs) Hold on to your butt. Did you actually do that? I did once, yeah. It was, I think, sixth grade or fifth grade. That was right when the whole, in the comic books, the death of Superman was going on. Mm-hmm. And so that was like, that was really big, right? So I was reading the Superman books, the comic books about the death of Superman. And I remember we had to do a book report and they, they released a young adult novel with the whole like death and return of Superman. And so <laughs> I've already read the comics. So I'm just like, hey, this is the book. This is what <laughs> I'm reading. And I got away with it. Nice. Because uh, yeah, just this is, it was adapted from the comics into boring print with no pictures. Huh. I'm saying print's boring. I like prints. No, but I am thinking about how, if I were a teacher, how boring it would be to read 30 book reports. I'm assuming they just skimmed through it. I told you you this when I was a freshman in high school. I was a TA for an English teacher. And I, no, no, when I was a senior in high school, I was a, TA for an English teacher and I read all the freshmen's reports and stuff like that so I did I did her work <laughs> and I'm you know 17 17 yeah. years old I'm like trying to correct 14 year olds papers <laughs> I would just read it like this is shit <laughs> I'd mark problems and I and my grammar is horrible too so who am I? I probably like marked like theirs wrong on their paper. <laughs> so you uh, could ne- neither do nor teach as well. Exactly, right? <laughs> Anyways, so uh, let's get on with this episode. Alrighty, well, Homer sticks his head into a tree and makes a startling discovery. The raccoons are using the jerky to feed their family. And their family is just like the Simpsons. There's a Homer and a Bart and a Marge and even a little Lisa raccoon chewing on an acorn. And the dad raccoon even chokes his son, just like Homer. Hey, was there Maggie? Yeah, I think there was, right? Actually, I don't think there was. Was. Right, there wasn't. Because she's such should've... an adorable little. Because like yeah. baby raccoon's really cute. And she, I know that Lisa was chewing on the acorn, but it shouldn't have been like the baby Maggie like sucking an acorn. Yeah, that'd be a nice little touch. So Homer decides to share the jerky with his new critter friends, so they can grow up to be real people. <laughs> Their man's new best friend. I like how uh, Santa's little helper is like, oh. <laughs> and I like we talked about before that we like raccoons, and I feel that uh, the Guardians of the Galaxy movies really made raccoons popular. Ooh, that's a good point. Yeah. 
And so I think with this, uh, The Simpsons did it first. Yeah. Just like that time when they had the talking tree. At the dance studio, Lisa nervously watches the clock, awaiting her next break. When the big cigarette reaches nine, the uncoordinated hippopotamuses are allowed to go outside. As the other girls puff away, Lisa chases the wind, trying to inhale the secondhand smoke. As this proves unsuccessful, Lisa realizes that she doesn't need secondhand smoke to be good at the ballet. So she needs to firsthand experience it, right? That's she right. Picks up the uh, flame and butt on the ground and uh, she presses it into her lips. But just then. <gasps> Lisa! Give me that! <laughs> I can't believe how easy it is in this country to get cigarettes. I can't believe you were smoking. Do you know the Sturgeon General said you're not supposed to? A sturgeon is a fish. And a very wise fish he is. So in this episode, this is more like uh, if they aged and like Lisa should be more like a teenager. Because even mm-hmm. that voice is like a sturgeon's a fish. Like that's such like a like a 14-year-old girl type of delivery. Mm-hmm. But I think one of the best visual gags there was freaking out about the cigarettes and then opens the jacket with all the guns. <laughs> yeah, he has a bunch of guns. And the fact that he shoots the, the cigarette butt three times is just nice. <laughs> it's uh, four yeah. times, actually. <laughs> And I thought, uh, is that the gun that he originally had? Oh, did that gun kill Mr. Burns? Well, guns don't kill people. <laughs> so as Homer goes to tell uh, Marge of their nic- nicotine-addled daughter, he finds that Lisa's mother has, that's Marge, built a giant three-tiered cake that reads, Lisa, I'm too, too proud of you. And Marge has been so happy living vicariously through Lisa. She's completely fulfilled both as a mother and a fan of youth ballet. So Marge is glowing, not because she's drunk, but because uh, Lisa's dancing is making her really, really happy. And Homer doesn't have the heart to, uh, to make Lisa to quit the ballet. Homer's a really good dad in this episode. Yeah, he's spending time with Bart. He's mm-hmm. he's he's uh not being cruel to the raccoons. He's embracing them. He's being friendly with the animals. Yeah, and he's you know trying to do what's right to make both his wife and daughter happy, even though he knows it's not. But you know, it's good. I mean, if I had a daughter and saw you know eight years old and she's smoking, I would freak out just like Homer did, <laughs> and all the guns that I keep in my jacket. <laughs> Yep. Uh, fatherhood is hurting Homer's brain, though. So much so that he leaves Bart alone to deal with Maggie choking him out. He then goes to Lisa and explains. Before the clip plays, I just love that <laughs> visual of, <Yeah. laughs> of Maggie with the upper hand. That's great. Mm-hmm. She, she learns by uh, her parents. That's right. Okay. Has there ever been an episode where Marge chokes Bart? Huh. That's a good question. I want to say yes, that like they're in line and they take turns choking. Okay. Yeah, everyone does. All right. Because it means so much to your mother, you can keep doing ballet. But you have to stop smoking, including secondhand. That's easy for you to say. You've never had to be thin and focused. What did you say? I'm just saying it's going to be hard for me to quit, especially before the recital. I thought you might have trouble with this. That's why I'm assigning someone to keep watch over you. Someone you'd never expect. Is it Bart? No! Come on out, boy. For the next three days, I'm going to stick to you like waffle syrup on a shag rug. I'm going to be on you like fish stink on a Gloucester dog. I'm going to be all over you like, hey, where'd you go? All right, enter Bart, right? That's right. Uh, So uh, at the Dance Academy, the dress rehearsal for Sleeping Beauty is underway. Hmm. 
and that Lisa is shaky and unsure of her dancing abilities, accidentally smacking the new nose of a male dancer during a break, and uh, Lisa is invited to join the smokers. She declines at first, but with the thought of a baby possibly taking in secondhand smoke and the fact that smokers are willing to apply peer pressure, Lisa joins the fray of the puffing prancers. That's right. As the girls ex- exhale with relief, Bart appears in a dirty leg warmer's bin, donning camel face paint in an homage to Apocalypse Now. And as the end by the doors plays. Bart calls his father, sets a plan in motion to stop Lisa from smoke. So the ballerinas leave their smoky locker room. Homer, Bart, and his new pals, the raccoons, the sim, sim raccoons, sim, what should we call them? Um, raccoons? Simcoo, uh, no. Let's just call them the uh, trash pandas. That's Are... There you go. You, you said it like the Simpsons. <laughs> if it sounds like the Simpsons, it's got to be like the Simpsons. Yeah. All right. They're ready to go execute Operation Crazy Plan. Homer is going to throw the Fury Beast into the locker room, but has put a mask on the raccoon just in case it's got... <laughs> This is adorable. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, the omnivorous mammal rummages through the dancer's belongings, taking all the smokes as well as some cold, hard cash. Homer then throws the cigarettes into a nearby window, delighting a post-coital Mayor Quimby. Lord, I could use a smoke. <clears throat> Thank you, God. Cigarette? Can't. I'm pregnant. Uh, one more favor. Jeez. <laughs> I mean, uh, hey, I'll just put it this way. It might not even be Quimby's. This is true, yeah. Like, he could just be, this is, you know, he's sleeping around and she happens to find out she's pregnant. It doesn't have to be Quimby's child. No, it could be anybody's child. It's what we're trying to say child. here is a 130 Simpsons podcast. Abortions for all. That's right. Abortions and tiny American flag. The first act of the dance was a success and a crowd hopes Sleeping Beauty never wakes up. But as the dancers seek to smoke during intermission, they find their ciggies are gone. Grumpy, uncoordinated, and violent. The girls are beginning to lose it. One dancer attempts to smoke her own finger, while another attempts to uh, attempts a painted no smoking sign cigarette. Another young ballerina has regained her appetite and ravishes Sideshow Mel's bone. Busby hasn't seen crap like this since his Broadway show Crap Like This closed in a week. So that nicotine denied dancer mania continues with one trying to smoke the program, another ripping out her uh, own hair and lighting it up. Well, yet another inspires the rest of the crew to search under the audience seats for some chewed gum. Mm. Lisa, coming to her senses, offers some advice. All right, that's enough. I want to talk about a horrible practice afflicting millions of Americans. For years, we've known how dangerous it is. It stunts your growth, and it's marketed to children. I'm talking about ballet. I'll smoke to that. Ballet is unnatural and unfair to women. I shall now cast off the shoes of oppression. You'll never take down big ballet. Never! Now, good day! So this was the twist we were talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. That uh, obviously, you know, you think when Lisa's had her speech about smoking, and it really isn't. And like, I kind of like that uh, that little twist at the end there, where it's if you if you look about the life of a ballerina, it's pretty mm-hmm. messed up. It is. Laura was a dancer for a short time. Wait, wait, yoga or the boring kind? The boring kind. Oh. And yeah, you go through a lot of shoes. You fuck up your feet. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you're given weird weight standards and you don't have any social life and it's not healthy yeah like the malnutrition and like the smoking they you know that's one way to keep your weight control so suppress your appetite mm-hmm. putting your body into those positions and steve have you ever been inspired by a ballet <laughs> 
don't know if this is yeah. like the masculine side of us, but so a few years ago we went to I think I don't want to. It sounds so lame to say, but I think we went to see Swan Lake because mm-hmm. that's the ballet, right? Um, and you know I got it, I guess, but it's not for me. Um, I feel like maybe antiquated art forms, you know, they had their purpose, but maybe we outgrow them. Like the I also don't. Yeah, exactly. There's so uh, many things. Like here, I'll, I'll give you a list real quick of yeah. antiquated like entertainment. I'm not going to put ballet in that because it is kind of graceful. And like, if you're into that, and a lot of people are. Yeah, that's fine. But I'm just going to say like parades, Don't need done them. with those. Yeah. Firework shows, done with those. Absolutely. Did I say parades already? Yeah, but we can say it again. Okay. Parades, circuses. What else is annoying? <laughs> Mostly fireworks and parades. Yeah. Parades are awful just because I've seen cars drive by before. <laughs> yeah. And I'm not talking like your heritage pride parades. That's the thing. I'm talking just like parades, like actually all parades, just let's get rid of them. Like, but your basic like 4th of July parade, like here's a guy with an old car, like you said. And yeah, here's the local Boy Scout troops with a banner. <laughs> wow. Yeah, here, in, here in my neck of the woods, uh, we have the St. John's parade, which is just that. It's like the high school dance squad or color <laughs> squad or whatever. And then like, two guys that have a truck and the <laughs> one tiny horse that lives in our neighborhood yeah. these are all literal things that happen and <laughs> well thankful- someone, someone thank- owns a truck in your neighborhood or yeah they're not <laughs> they share it yeah <laughs> thankfully because of covid we didn't have it this year but uh it goes right in front of my house and it just really ruins a saturday for me <laughs> yeah no parades when we're all for uh equal rights to to groups out there like but uh i don't i don't need your parade no they should just have zoom parades whatever that means <laughs> like what we're doing right now yeah and with that Chaz busby saunters away wearing a little jaunty fedora as he dance walks onto a bus nice and then at home the family enjoys one of their favorite traditions ice cream after a botched recital and thanks to the Hello Kitty branded children's nicotine patches, Lisa is smoke free and Marge has learned that she shouldn't live her dreams through her daughter. Unfortunately, the same cannot be said of Homer. Does that mean I can stop training to be a Mexican wrestler? No. Now practice preening to the crowd, El Guapo. Come on, preen harder. Make them hate you. You feed on their hatred and you are so hungry. That's the episode. Alrighty, let's uh, take a break and talk about it. We'll be right back. We are back. Let's uh, do some trivia. Our favorite uh, visual tattoo shirts, our favorite quotes, maybe an MBJ or two, and uh, then our reviews. We'll call it an episode. What do you say? All right. All right. Let's start as we always do with uh, some trivia. Steve, this uh, episode is called Smoke on the Daughter. It's a reference to the uh, Deep Purple song, Smoke on the Water. Now I get it. <laughs> Fire in the sky. Deep Purple. Like the drapes Flanders always wanted. Purple. 
Whoa, man. Whoa, man. The term for women that J.K. Rowling can't seem to figure out. Uh, That's right. Angelica Button, parody of Harry Potter. Whoa, man. (laughs) After Lisa quits ballet and rejects Bubsy, he puts on a bowler hat and starts out of the theater to the song on Broadway, referencing dance sequence in All That Jazz. And Lisa makes a reference to the Disney Channel TV series, The Sweet Life of Zack and Cody, which are probably both now on Disney+. Plus. Actually, one of them is very successful. Oh, yeah. I mean, the show is for sure, but one of them is very successful on that uh, that Jughead show. Oh, or, uh, Riverdale. Yeah, he stars in that. Oh, I thought Lisa is on a different show. <laughs> Not that I know of, but maybe. She's uh, the new Betty or Veronica. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, the sweet life of uh, Zach Cody. And uh, she mentioned that there was once an episode where Zach tried to impress a girl by taking up smoking, but this turned the girl off and she wound up going for Cody instead. And this never actually happened on the TV show, Steve. And uh, apparently this section was edited out on repeats because of copyright issues. So Disney Channel would never portray someone smoking as it is a family-friendly network. They made Song of the South, but (laughs) not for somebody has a Marlboro. Which I'm pretty sure uh, he was smoking in Song of the South too, right? Yeah. I don't know. I actually vague memories, but I feel like we did watch Song of the South in like the second grade. Really? I think so. Uh, Homer's mispronunciation of Surgeon General as Sturgeon General is a reference to the movie Karina Karina, starring Whoopi Goldberg and Ray Liotta. In it, a small child refers to the Sturgeon General health warning about the dangers of smoking as an explanation for uh, burying the adult character's supply of cigarettes in her sandpit. Hey, is that movie, Karina Karina, your uh, sister-in-law's favorite movie? I think so, yeah. Not Karina, <laughs> but the other one. Right, Tara. Yeah, she loves Ray Liotta. Big fan. Um, she doesn't like uh, Sister Act, but she does like this one. I'm more of a Sister Act 2 kind of guy. Yeah. Steve, I don't know if I've seen it. Yeah, I've seen it. I saw them when I was a kid. I remember, yeah. I just think I enjoyed watching them as a kid, but I don't yeah. know. I feel like, because they're probably decent. Let's go back and watch Sister Acts. Whose favorite movie is Sister Act 2? <laughs> Anyways, uh, the family watched CSI, the commercial features Friends, which uh, has Lisa Kudrow in it, and they make a Lisa Kudrow joke because she's against illiteracy. Yep, and she's also on an episode of The Simpsons. And she uh, used to me- date Conan O'Brien. That's right. It all is comes full circle. Uh, the music that plays uh, as the raccoon climbs into the ballet school sounds a lot like the theme from Pink Panther. The sequence and uh, music where the ballet teaches the dances onto the uh, bus is a parody of both Rocky and a chorus line. Hmm. So this is the second time a Simpsons family member has taken up ballet, as Bart did in, let's say, season four or five. Uh, Lisa Raccoon is eating an acorn instead of jerky, and this might be a reference to the real Lisa being a vegetarian. And the last time Homer came across a family, animal family that resembled his, uh, occurred in the Tracy Ullman short Zoo Story. Which uh, we we can't review that one, Steve. Nope, that's way before season 11. (laughs) Before season one, even. It's the pre-cum of the Simpsons. That's right. Speaking of pre-cum, what's next on our list? Well, Craig, it's time for your favorite thing. Uh, It's time for some boners. Craig, do you have a boner for me? Yeah, sure. So Nick Flanders and his kids, you know, Ron and Todd, are among the group of fans waiting for the release of the Angelica Button's new book, despite his beliefs against magic, as explained in the Great Money Caper and Trilogy of Air. I kind of talked about this earlier. I said, oh, we'll get to this. We'll get to this. So he's dressed up. They're dressed up ready for this book but then like later on in the episode he's trying to edit a tom hardy tom hardy <laughs> <laughs> the hardy boys books 
So my theory is he's like a closet fan of everything. Mm-hmm. So like he gets this new book. He's of course going to go through the book and like cross out things, but he secretly enjoys it. Maybe you're right. And then that would make sense because maybe he could like change the narrative of the books. So they have like a more Christian bent to them. Yeah. Um, yeah. This one, it's much like uh, when you're in sixth grade and you have to go up to the chalkboard. This is a dumb boner. Uh, <laughs> Homer shoots a cigarette. A du- Wait, a dumb boner like uh, Kirk Cameron's friend in uh, on cheers cheers <laughs> on growing pains exactly yeah i don't even like this one homer shoots a cigarette but you can only use guns for protection for other uses you need to be a cop state and local governments are not obligated to enforce gun laws i thought you put that in there as, as a political statement i did not i didn't even re- i mean i read the notes because i write the notes but i did not see this what kind of horseshit is that i don't know we'll keep it in yeah okay here well i'll give you a, a great one so there was still a pack of cigarettes at the uh, the raccoons never stole. It is possible, though, the raccoons stole the pack off camera. That's such a great one. <laughs> it is funny to me that, like, the person who wrote that is like, eh, they were off camera, the raccoons that were drawn. <laughs> The cartoon raccoons. They were filmed before a yeah. live studio audience. <laughs> in the very beginning, when Homer is first seen in his Lord Evelton snake costume, the costume has a snake mask that covers Homer's entire head. But afterwards, when the family is going to the book release, Homer's costume just has a hood that shows his face through his snake neck. So that's the kind of boner that I'm here for. I hope somebody got fired for that blunder. Um, let's talk about our favorite visual things from the show. All right. Uh, I got Craig, it. do you have a thing? Yeah. So I think if I were just to make a t-shirt, I really want the, as we said in the episode, the trash pandas. So it sounds like <laughs> sentence, but maybe put that font, the trash pandas in the Simpsons font with a little raccoon Simpsons family on like a wood wooden uh, couch. Oh, that's adorable. I really oh, like, I like that. Um, there's other some some other good visual stuff here. Um, but that's definitely the one I had. I just wanted a I just wanted a Simpsonized raccoon family t shirt. I think you had a Simpson t shirt idea or you had a good little t shirt. Yeah. Originally I talked about doing the magic isn't real shirt and making it like a sparkly font. Mm-hmm. But I think I'm gonna go with the PowerPoint presentation of jerky just <laughs> on like a t shirt. Yeah. With like kind of a faded like vintage look to it. I think that'd be really cool. Yeah. Actually it would be kind of fun too to have like a picture of Marge and it says we all have dreams and then behind her there's just three different uh, sets of stethoscopes. <laughs> Ooh, that'd be a good one. <laughs> dream big or whatever keep yeah yeah exactly <laughs> to make it a point like would you put me like be a doctor be a stethoscope salesperson i i wouldn't i think it'd just be funnier to like have to explain it out every time yeah because that's what you want to do walking down the street explain your shirt to me <laughs> sir um how about some quotes here um lots of good ones um like i said i really, really enjoyed that stethoscope joke but i do also like the joke of homer saying stop saying things bart that's the tv's job <laughs> i thought of us when homer said that <laughs> like yeah. stop podcasting just watch a stupid episode why do you need a podcast for the simpsons <laughs> what oh yeah sorry, sorry. That's <clears throat> i also like the b rating of of lisa poning is that the term kids still use yeah sure poning comic book guy about uh, her costume mm-hmm we do like the, the, the dialogue between Martha Graham danced well into her 70s. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I still think my favorite has to be with uh, with a Chaz Busby just when Marge is like, you know, and you know what they say about those who can't do? And Marge is like, <laughs> they teach? And he's like, no, how can they teach if they can't do? It's always one of my, it's just a great quote just because like you hear that cliche all the time. Mm-hmm. So that's my favorite quote. Do we got any MVJs here? I think it's tough because um, the whole B plot of Bart and Homer with 
raccoons is so silly and cartoony, but Homer's really funny in the way that he, he does it. Um, also, Chaz Busby is a solid character. Um, like, I enjoy his line, like, of being like, that reminds me of my play, the thing that I just said, which closed in five weeks. Like, I don't know, it's just a nice rhythm. Um, so I think I'm gonna give it to him, with Marge being my, like, like my secondary MVJ, just because she had some fun lines. Yeah, and um, I think Homer being actually a good dad, like we talked about earlier, mm-hmm. kind of helps. Yeah. Yeah, Chaz was fine, too. I wasn't as in love with him as you are, but, uh, yeah, I, I'm going with, uh, I'm staying well, with yeah. Homer on this one. I think that's respectable. Um, so, uh, final thoughts. What are your final thoughts? You know, we watched this episode multiple times. There's a lot of good concepts in this episode, and you're right, the raccoon beef jerky plotline, which I don't remember from this episode, from last week's episode, I got this whole episode all wrong. But, um, <laughs> yeah, the beef jerky stuff was kind of weird, but the raccoons were adorable, and it was very much a Looney Tunes-esque plotline. You know, we've talked about on other podcasts before how, like, there's the episodes where they have an idea, and that idea was, let's have Marge try to live her dreams through Lisa, which they kind of really haven't done that much. Yeah, it's true. And I'm always pro, like, exploring more of Marge's, you know, her likes and her interests. And I feel that Homer kind of just took over at the end. Mm -hmm. And it should have been more about Marge and Lisa. It had the potential of being, like, a great episode, but there was also, I felt like, maybe it was going to become preachy with the smoking thing and it wasn't and we talked about the ballerina things there's a lot going on in this episode maybe too much wasn't my favorite but i'll let you know that the first time watching it i fell asleep and so i had to watch it again <laughs> um i woke up at the end like i wasn't a fan of uh bart and the uh Lucio. that was yeah so i didn't like that i think there's maybe only about like four or five gags in this episode that made me like it a little bit more i don't think i would go back to rewatch this episode the only reason i'd go back just to watch uh cute raccoons uh, that being said there's a lot of smoking in this episode and uh there's 20 cigarettes in a pack of cigarettes. I'm going to give this episode... Uh, Every time. <laughs> I still have one. <laughs> Every fucking time. It's, uh, I'll give it 13 smokes out of 20 smokes. It's not bad. It's not great. It's just... Uh, it's way better than a scorpion's tail. So... Yeah. I don't know if I go rewatch this. Watch it. I, I think I recommend watching it just for the cute raccoons. Yeah. Um, I would say that it is not an ambitious episode. Um, like, it's just a silly kind of wacky episode that is... Uh, like nothing has a lot of weight. I know that, you know, an eight-year-old smoking is very serious and I'm glad that they didn't go preachy, but ultimately this is just a, kind of feels like a filler episode where there are some funny gags and they kind of created like the, the shell of a classic episode with the beats and rhythms of it without actually doing the work. But I didn't hate it. Um, I think like you kind of alluded to this. There's not a lot of weight to it, I guess is what I'm saying. And I, I liked it. I didn't love it. I would say, you know, if it's on, I'd, I'd watch it. I don't know if they'd direct it to anybody unless they're, you know, a raccoon or raccoon enthusiast. Although if you are a raccoon who smokes cigarettes, happens to be a ballet dancer, I'm definitely going to tell you to watch this episode. <laughs> that being said, I think that Chaz Busby is a fun character, but not one that I really need to see again. Though I think they, he may make another appearance at some point in the show's run. Though you made a good point about Homer kind of stealing all the thunder out of Marge. Like it'd be more fun to 
to see her struggling with uh, Lisa smoking and maybe a backstory of Lisa uh, when Marge was younger had a moment where she smoked to try and be cooler to fit in. And so she struggles with Lisa's relationship to being cool, being accepted, and to be a good dancer, but also being a healthy person who doesn't smoke. I think you could have gone other ways to not be preachy about it, but to have a bit more depth of plot. Uh, that being said, the reckons were cute, and I really liked the B plot of Barton Homer. The uh, Mexican wrestling thing, it just seems like a lazy, kind of like jokey thing to see. Like, there's Mexican wrestling. Like, that's kind of the joke of it. So I, I will say that the Sleeping Beauty is a classic three-act ballet. And so I'm going to give this one and a half acts out of three. Uh, watch it or don't. It's, it's a fine episode. It's not going to blow your mind, but it's going to entertain you for most of the 22 minutes. So check it out. Oh, my will. When should I watch it? Uh, maybe like an hour ago. Oh, sorry. Okay, well, let's find out that we'll watch it next week. How about that? Alrighty, and to do that, we'll need to bust out that wheel of random. So let's spin to see what season we are in. We get season 22. Season 22. Alrighty, and let's spin to see the episode. Season 18. Season 22, episode 18. Why, that is the great Simpson Cena. Uh, Lisa becomes an apprentice to legendary magician, the great Raimondo, but a schoolgirl crush clouds her judgment when she's coaxed into revealing her mentor's most famous magic trick to his arch nemesis. Hey, I have no recollection Ooh. of this episode. Neither do I. It disappeared from my man, from my mind like a magic trick, but it does have uh, magicians such as David Copperfield, Penn and Teller, Jackson Prayer, and Martin Landau. Jack McBrayer, he's one of my favorite magicians. <laughs> Me too. He makes uh, unhappiness go away whenever he's on TV. It's a delight. <laughs> and, uh, all right, well, hey, it was written by uh, Matt Warburton. Hey, uh, my brother makes a good show. Yeah, I knew that was coming. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Let's just leave. All righty. All right. So, hey, you know, we got a couple things we like to plug. And that is, of course, our tpublic.com slash user slash annoyed grunt boys. And, of course, please contact us on social medias with Facebook, Twitter, Instagram at 138Simpsons. And you can always email us at 138Simpsons at gmail.com. And if you have the capability and the desire, go to your podcasting app and write a review. But it doesn't have to be a real review. You can just write your favorite quote. Like, um, you fail English? That's impossible. And then give us five stars or whatever. Hey, also, I'm going to put this in here now. You don't actually have to write a quote to it. You could ask a question. That could be reviewed. Ooh, yeah, I like that. Yeah, and then we can answer that. That sounds like fun, too. Like, you could ask us, did yeah. we fail English? We probably did. But you could also ask a question, how, Steve? One three Simpsons <laughs> at gmail.com. For this week, I've been half-annoyed grunt boy Craig. And I've been your other half-annoyed grunt boy Steve. And remember, keep watching the ski. Black Lives Matter. That's right. Black Lives Matter. Wear a mask and buy a stethoscope. You'll need it someday. Yeah.